Welcome to The Dirt Show, brought to you by Napa Auto Parts. And today we're going to be joined by driver Leon Duda. We're also going to hear from Cole Queensland from Deer Creek Speedway, and especially about the three-day Napa Gopher 50. And we will also be joined by Speed the Sauce Man from Cookies Barbecue Sauces and Seasonings with some great cooking tips for the Easter weekend. Hey, Dirt Show listeners. Need some parts for race night? How about that classic project in your shop? Wish there was a specialty auto parts store nearby? Hot Rod Hardware in West Concord is your answer. Radiators, disc brake kits, steering columns, fuel injection systems, air conditioning systems, coil over shocks, and much more. From the street to the track. Hot Rod Hardware has everything to modernize your vehicle and improve its performance. See us at HotRodHardware.com or call 507-527-1020. Hot Rod Hardware. No robots, just real people. Does good food get your heart racing? How about food that's prepared to perfection with your favorite sauces and seasonings? Friends, it's me, the Sauce Man, and I'm here to tell you that if you love full-throttle flavor, you're going to love our line of premium barbecue sauces and seasonings. Made with high-quality ingredients, you can trust our products to punch up the flavor of your favorite meats, main dishes, and so much more. Get winning recipes and join our sauce squad at CookiesBBQ.com. And remember, smart cookies use cookies. Napa know-how. The Bucket Sale is back at your local Napa Auto Parts store. Buy a 5-gallon Napa bucket for just $4.99 and save 20% on three or more eligible items that can fit inside. So put on your thinking cap for the best way to fill your bucket and maximize your savings. And Napa can help there too. Right now, with a $25 purchase, you can get a free Chase Elliott Napa racing hat. But act fast. These offers are only good through April 30th or while supplies last at Napa, a proud sponsor of The Dirt Show. Offer valid April 30th at participating locations only. Certain exclusions apply. See store for more details. When it comes to choosing your next industrial, commercial, residential, or ag electrician, choose Coles Electric. Offering pole setting, directional boring, underground trenching, boom truck service, security systems, and much more. If you're a Steel Wasika co-op member, there are excellent incentives for installing a solar array with quick payback and years of reliable service. Planning, design completion, or emergency service, see CallsElectric.com or 507-451-1387. Let me tell you, friends, about our stores, a great place we call Miners Outdoor. Miners Outdoor, your total source Husqvarna dealer in Blooming Prairie, has everything your yard needs, from chainsaws, leaf blowers, and weed trimmers to zero-turn mowers and everything in between. That's what being your Husqvarna total source dealer is all about. Stop in today to see the best selection in quality Husqvarna outdoor power equipment. That's Miners Outdoor, Highway 218, Blooming Prairie. Miners Outdoor, Major Tough. Hey everyone, this is Chad Weir's Weir's Machine and Racing Products with today's tech tip. Today we're going to talk about our engine and rear end lift handles. These are a real nice piece we've been making for quite a few years. One end has a 3 8 coarse thread stud and the other one is drilled and tapped 5 8 coarse thread. So you can thread four of these into your engine and you and three of your homeboys can carry an engine around or you put two on each side of the rear end and then you and another guy can carry a rear end around very easily. Real nice trick tool, available at weirsmachine.com. As always, check us out online at weirsmachine.com. Thank you. If you're in need of a worry-free power lift door, 
Then you'll want to stop and talk with Rod French. Make a statement with a Powerlift architectural door on your home or cabin. Powerlift doors can be retrofitted to fit an existing door opening or designed into your next commercial, agricultural, livestock, or aircraft hangar build. Stylish, functional, and built to last. Powerlift doors by French's Manufacturing are made locally in Dodge Center, Minnesota by their experienced craftsmen. Contact Kelly or Rod. Powerlift doors by French's Manufacturing. 374-9306. Welcome back to the driver segment here on the Dirt Show, and it is my pleasure today to be joined in person by Leon Duda. And Leon, we've been looking through stuff off the air, and the collection of photos and memorabilia you have from your racing days, it just makes me want to encourage all the racers and all the fans out there. Something you're going to today or something you're doing today, make sure you preserve those memories because when you want to look back on that in 30 years, there's drivers I know that don't even have pictures of some of their cars because they never saved any of that stuff. And you did a great job of preserving racing history. Uh, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, My family, I guess I come by it honestly. My family were all big picture takers. They're big on history, family history, and I guess I just carry that right on from my hobbies, let's call it, some of my other escapades, uh, and family. I'm very, very big on family, uh, children, grandchildren, and on and into the future. I'm still doing it. Leon, let's go way back to the beginning. Growing up in Hopkins, Minnesota, where your dad had a blacksmith shop, where was his shop located, and is there any of the building or parts of the building still in existence? Well, he actually had three buildings. When he moved here, he uh, worked for an old blacksmith in a wooden building. Eventually, he bought that business. He tore down the wooden building, built a concrete block building. He sold that one, moved down the street, bought a lot, and built another concrete block building. Having been born and raised in North Dakota on a farm, farmers, as you know, can do every doggone thing. They didn't build jewels, but they built stuff to uh, sturdy stuff that lasted a long time. But eventually, in Hopkins, uh, quite a progressive community, due to uh, urban redevelopment and things, all of his old buildings and stuff have been long gone, and new stuff have been put up in those spots. But it was right uptown Hopkins, basically. You were one of five brothers. The blacksmith shop then was the heart of the community. It's where people went to get things fixed. What do you remember about repairing things? And obviously you learned a lot about fixing things because that comes in handy when you're a racer. Absolutely. My brother Gordy was the best mechanic in the family. I was the oldest, so I was able to dodge out of some of the menial work. But I can remember uh, hand-threading one-inch bolts for different things uh, for my dad, using uh, bacon grease and ham grease for lubrication. We all could stick weld by the time we were about seven years old, and uh, we never did monkey with the forge much because we burnt our fingers too much. But we learned an awful lot from my dad, who was a do-everything man. By age 23, you were married and had five kids. How and when did you decide to get involved in racing? I've always been a gearhead. I drove my first car when I was five years old. If I got a minute to tell that story, my uncle had just gotten out of the Army in 1945, bought a 33 Ford Coupe in the Twin Cities, and somehow talked my mother into driving up to Minot, North Dakota with him. 
That's where my mother was born and raised. And so uh, we got caught in a snowstorm because it was the fall of the year, and the Ford got stuck in a snowstorm. And, of course, it had suicide doors, and if you remember old Fords, they had a hand throttle and a hand choke. Well, uh, Uncle Jerry, he told me what to do. All I had to do was steer, and he put it in gear, let the clutch out, and then pulled the throttle out just above an idle so that the wheels were spinning. He pushed the car, I steered the car, and we got unstuck, and away we went. And I've been a gearhead ever since. Your name first appears in the Raceway Park archives in 1963 in the hobby stock division. What did a hobby stock consist of in 1963? What type of car, and what was the drivetrain like back then? Pretty much all of the uh, early model, uh, they used to have an early model and a late model class. And in about 63, they moved up a bit. So the old early models were basically 48 Fords and older, a few Plymouths and a few Chevrolets. Of course, everybody's familiar with the flathead Fords. That's pretty much the way they were powered. We could modify them a little bit. I happened to have one with a Mercury motor in, which had 255 cubic inches and I had a cam in it and dual carbs and pretty much the Fords were all that way. The Chevrolets were a bit modified but uh, I'm one of those people that would rather come home on the end of a chain in a Ford than drive a Chevrolet. Your brother Gordy also raced back in the 60s. Did you share cars or did each of you have your own or was he just the mechanic? Gordy built a 48 Mercury Coupe, built the engine himself. As I said, Gordy was the mechanic in the family. He actually was racing a little bit before I was. He was single and he had a good job, so he had he had more money than I did, obviously. But we had separate cars until 1970 when I drove his modified late model car. We were looking through some pictures of your first car, the number 16 Coupe, and it brought up a memory Back then, they also had a $200 claim in the hobby stock division. What do you remember about the claim rule? And it wasn't a great way to make any friends, was it? Well, everybody was kind of in the same boat. But yeah, the claim, uh, when it started out, anybody up in the grandstands could claim a car for the $200, I believe it was. As a matter of fact, a guy by the name of Clyde Begaman claimed my 38 Ford Coupe, which was a pretty good car, for his younger brother, Johnny Begaman, who uh, later in life became one of the uh, Knights. I can't remember the gas company, but along with Dick Trickle and Tom Ruffner. Later on, the claim, uh, the cars got better, so it was a $200 and their car, and it was only uh, the top five could be claimed. So you got one of the Super America Knights started with your car. Well, basically, that's that's true. The mid-60s through the mid-70s were an amazing time to be a race driver in Minnesota. You had three tracks close by to race, Raceway Park, Elko Speedway, and Twin City Speedway. And crowds were around 3,000 fans, and there would also be 85 to 90 cars entered in those two classes. What a time to be a racer. Absolutely tremendous. The people turned out, the people were friendly, everybody, all of the fans had their own drivers that, for whatever reason, they, they glommed on Tom to. I had a number of very interesting people that became fans of mine and actually followed us around, much like uh, the big guys do today. 
We were looking through some old photos, and you showed me a picture of a beautiful 57 Chevy. You said that car was completely rust-free, didn't have a single dent. And how much did you pay for it, and you turned it into a race car? 1957 Chevy was in somebody's backyard. I paid $5 for it, and that's absolutely true. There wasn't a speck of rust. There wasn't a dent in it. It was just the standard two-door. It had been a six-cylinder with three on the tree. The motor was gone, but I also got the standard transmission with it and uh, built a race car out of it. It was one of the prettiest cars I ever had. The end of the story of that is in the powder puff race, the man I was driving for, and actually he footed the bill on the car. His wife crashed it in the powder puff race and demolished it. I hope he gave you more than five bucks back. Well, I was getting paid at that time for driving his stuff, so I made out. Who was Father Brown? And I've also heard he was one heck of a singer. Actually, Father Brown was our parish priest back when I was growing up. He had a lot to do with the kids. He and his brothers and some of the fathers used to take us on canoe trips. He was very interested. His background, his family were mechanics, so he was very interested in mechanics. He glommed on to my father at the blacksmith welding shop, and he was interested in cars. And when he got out of the service and got back into civilization, you might say. Uh, I invited him out to the races one day, and the rest is history. He uh, signed on on our pit crew. A man by the name of Phil Stewart, who took over the actually started Elko Speedway, everybody had to pay an entry fee. It was like five bucks in those days, but I couldn't afford too long to be paying Father Brown's entry fee, so I asked Phil Stewart one day if uh, there's any way that he could wangle a pit pass, and absolutely, and of course, they played up that association a little bit too. The singing part of it, one of our other pit crew was a semi-professional singer in his day, and he would sing the national anthem on uh, holidays. Leon, your daughter Teresa told me a story about Father Brown carrying all five of your kids into the infield at the Minnesota State Fair. The rule goes, if somebody could carry the kids across the racetrack and into the pits, the kids got in for free. He sounds like a pretty great guy. He really he really was, and that's an absolutely true story. He was just, uh, just a wonderful man. Uh, we remained friends through the years, uh, had spent a lot of time together. In fact, In 1968, my wife and I took a two-week vacation to go to Speedweeks and borrowed my mother and father-in-law's camping trailer, and we went down to Speedweeks and invited Father Brown to go along with us, and he went on vacation and uh, accompanied us down there. We had a great time. Last August, I was sitting at the Dakota County Fair in the IMCA Old Timers tent, and I happened to say, hey, next year on the Dirt Show, I'm going to have Leon Duda, and... The whole picnic table lit up, and somebody said, you have to ask him about the story that's floating around out there about the 64 Ford Fairlane with aluminum fenders that was very fast at Elko Speedway. No, it was a total steel car. I don't know. I've never heard that aluminum fender story. Yes, it was a very good car once we got it straightened out. And I have to say, once I got the car owner to do a couple of things that I wanted done on it also. So it wasn't secretly lightened? No, no, not at all. Some of the greatest USAC midget drivers in history would descend upon Raceway Park back in the early 60s, like Mel Kenyon and Iowa's Ted Zeman. 
you ran a midget for Fred Lure. How did you get that ride, and how did that all come about? Well, I worked with a fellow that belonged to Northwest Midget Sprint Car Association. Jack Albinson was an official in that. Oh, I can't remember some of the other names, but my friend was Dick Kowalik. He and his brother Denny had a midget, and with working with him, he said, there's this fellow that has this midget that is a newbie and he's not much of a racer. Would you like to, you know, give him a call and see if he'd, you know, if he'd be interested in driving? And I said, absolutely. So I made the call, and I did drive the car a couple of times. It was an obsolete car. I don't even know if it was a Curtis or not. It was a knockoff, but it had a V8 60 Ford in it, which wasn't competitive at all at the time. But that was the same year that I was in the hunt for the season championship at Raceway Park in our division. So I couldn't continue to travel with them and still maintain my points lead in the tri-circuit. So that went by the board. But I do have to say, if it was a better car, I'd have stuck with it. I just fell in love with the open wheel car. That's about all I can say about that. The picture I just saw of that car sitting out at Worthington Speedway is a really cool picture. I also seen you in the stats at Mason City Speedway down in Mason City, Iowa. What do you remember about running that car, especially on the big track down at Mason City and going out to Worthington? Because they just got that track going again, and that looks like a great track to run a midget on. Well, Mason City, I believe, was a half-mile track, and the car was only running on four cylinders that night, so I didn't last very long. Worthington was an interesting thing. It was a little more competitive because it was pretty dry and sandy, and it was a short track. In the feature race, I did qualify for the feature in that race, and interesting, I uh, happened to be up high. There was no fence through three and four, and uh, somebody spun out in front of me, so I just drove off the track. And, of course, that being a fairground, there was a lot of empty space back there. Well, obviously, they're in and out, no transmission. They're just in and out box, so you can't throw the clutch in or anything. So I kept it running and made a big circle. And, by the way, uh, in that big empty space, that's where the manure pile was. I ran through that manure pile and came back up basically on the fourth turn, coming on the straightaway, and I did a little up in the air, hop hop de doo over the berm. And by that time, they had the races stopped, and... Uh, I was still running, so we finished the race. We restarted. Uh, didn't finish high, but uh, it was an experience. Back in the day, Elko Speedway and Raceway Park would have these incredible races. The 100-lap Uncola event with guys like Dick Trickle and Tom Reffner and celebrity invites to the track like Indy 500 legend Art Pollard. What do you remember about some of those big-dollar races on the schedules? Well, I only had a chance to run in one that was in the 1970s season. It was the end of the year, and all the big guns from Wisconsin were there. You run through the list, you know, Dick and Marv Marzovka, Tom Reffner, I don't know who else, uh, Deachin, probably the whole group, and, of course, our good group, too, Dan Chabrowski and Norm Setrin and and a number of others. We were running very well at the time. In fact, I, uh, in the preliminary race, I... uh, actually led the feature for about 15 or 20 laps and then the car overheated so I pulled into the infield and then later on that weekend if I my memory recalls right Dick Trickle blew his engine and my brother Gordy talked to Dick and uh, basically gave Dick the use of our engine for the next day 
and sold technically, but of course, you know, you know, if anybody knows Dick, he owed you, and he did, he did pay eventually. But Dick ran our motor or that that motor a lot of times after that, did very well with it. You also had some of our southern Minnesota dirt track legends like Mert Williams and Dave Noble come to Elko and Raceway Park to run with the asphalt guys. What do you remember about those two drivers showing up? They were dirt drivers. They were great. They ran well. They made a good showing. My memory doesn't recall them winning features or anything, but they were always up there, but they drove that asphalt like a dirt track. Asphalt racers talk about a green track when it's been cleaned off by heavy rain or a rubber down track. Explain the difference and how you drive differently on those different surfaces. I honestly never noticed much of a difference. If the track got a little slippery for whatever reason, it just slowed down a little bit. That's the thing. There was very little passing on a short track. You had to be awful good to pass somebody on the outside. I know the first day, in a, uh, the first race event that I drove that late model, I think I started third row inside and I finished third. Uh, that kind of tells you what the racetracks were like. Nobody passed anybody. The tracks also had a nice points fund back in those days, and if you could run up front consistently, you could make some pretty good money back in those days. Yes, uh, the point fund was laid out. If you look at the stats from the end of the year, I believe it was like a dollar a point. So if you had 2,000 points at the end of the year, you took home $2,000. In the hobby stock class, which was also really was a semi-modified class, I think I had like 13 clean sweeps that year. I don't remember the point fund, but it was like $75 to win a feature. It was like $20 to win a trophy dash and probably $15 to win a heat. So we got paid, we got money in every race. Elko Speedway uh, in the later years, if you had enough trophies, you turned down the trophies, I think they'd add either 5 or $8 to the prize fund. I've heard from a couple of drivers back in that era like Stacy Redman and Norm Weemers who said at the end of the points season from feature wins and points fund, they had like $2,300 to go to the Ford dealership and buy a brand new truck right off the showroom floor. I don't think anybody's going to tell you right now they got seventy grand from their points fund to go buy a new Chevy or Ford. No, there was nothing like that. Well, I'm not sure that they even had a season-ending point fund. Not while I was racing. They maybe did later. But the way you accumulated points was each point represented $1 one on the racetrack. Not every trip to the track with the family and kids was a picnic. Talk about when one of your kids lost your racing helmet out the window on the way to the track. <laughs> Going to Elko on 35W and... We got to the racetrack, and, uh, of course, the family goes up in the stands, and we kiss them, you know, goodbye, have a good night, and go back to the car, and, oh, where's my helmet? Well, darn, the helmet isn't in there. Well, what the heck? Well, I found out later that one of the younger ones, boys, who will go unnamed at this point, put the helmet on and had his, had his head sticking out the window going down 35W, wanted to get the feeling of speed, I guess, and uh, the helmet disappeared. In July of 1969, you picked up your first ever late model feature win. What are your memories of that night? Actually, that was Gordy in 69. Gordy was driving 
his car yet because I was still in the hobby in the hobby division. So I never did win a feature in the late model class. That was my brother Gordy, and uh, he he did well that night. He started in front, but that's always an advantage. Starting on May seventh, nineteen seventy, you went on a tear. You swept the hobby features coming from the 16th starting position at Raceway Park, again on June 4th coming from the 14th starting position. June 18th, you won the hobby stock feature with a flat left front tire. And then July 1970, you picked up another feature win at Twin City Speedway. Life is fun when you're running like that. Life is fun under any circumstances, but that was some really spectacular times. The flat left front that happened probably 15 laps into a 20-lap feature, and as any uh, race car driver knows, that you don't use the left front very much. You know, you uh, if you're set up right and you have the proper gearing, you're going to pull that left front all the way around the corner. So on a quarter-mile track or three-eighths-mile track, what that left front is doing is almost irrelevant. Before we started the interview, we were talking a little bit about Raceway Park, and back in the era when you went there, basically the gravel pit was the only thing out there. There was no Valley Fair. There was no industrial park. It was a pretty remote area. What are your favorite memories of Raceway Park, which is now gone? The personnel. Darwin Hentz, the track owner, was a great guy. All of the officials... They were around our whole career. Roy Stein, the flag man, Bill Mueller, and later in later times became Wild Bill Mueller, by the way, became the flag man, uh, was friends with all of them. Jorgensen, who is, Teresa and Dan tell me there's a Jorgensen racing with them too. I can't think of the father's name, but Clancy was, I think he was from the prior Lake Area or whatever he was racing. I guess one of his sons and maybe even grandsons is racing now. But basically, it it was the personnel that you dealt with. They were all great people. Another track you lit up with when we were talking about it is your memories of the Twin Cities Speedway that only ran for two years before it became North Star Speedway, which ran until August of 1979 and closed after a big World of Outlaw sprint car race. Phil Stewart expanded his uh, metro circuit called the Tri-Circuit. He purchased or leased Raceway Park, and he owned Elko, and I think he leased Twin City Speedway. They uh, cut it down from a half mile to a three-eighths and uh, basically made a D-shaped, and I absolutely took to that track. I loved it. I did really, really well there, probably better than most, but maybe because I had a screw loose in my head or something, but I did well there. I loved that track. A little short story with that. The Halling Brothers had a, um, an aluminum V8 midget that uh, there was going to be a midget show one night at uh, Twin City Speedway. They didn't have a driver, so they had asked me if I wanted to drive their car in the feature race there. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Well, about that time, a gentleman by the name of Lou Figures, <clears throat> great guy, by the way, he showed up, and everybody knows Lou Figures. He's an old USAC midget local guy. In fact, when he came to the Twin Cities here, of course, uh, being a USAC, licensed USAC driver, he had to race under a nom de plume, Charlie Carr. And uh, this past winter, I had a chance to uh, have dinner with his son, Mike, and his wife down in Florida. And we kind of uh, rehashed some old times and we laughed about that too. You retired from racing in 1972. 
Do you still get out to watch your daughter, Teresa, wrench on Dan Wheeler's red one? I do occasionally. I uh, got the age thing creeping up on me. I got the bad knees, so I don't walk very well. But I follow them as much as I can. And certainly, Teresa does a wonderful job of videotaping. So uh, click onto YouTube. And by the way, anybody that's interested, YouTube, Dan Wheeler, Red One Racing. They do a tremendous job. They're throwbacks. I couldn't love either one of them more. When you look back over your racing career, is there a memory or memories that stand out more than one or the other? Not one memory in particular. All just good times, family. When we were racing the three nights a week, Jeanette, my wife, and the children, the kids, they'd always go on Friday night. On Saturday night, we'd get a sitter, and uh, just my wife and I would go out, and then we'd go have something to eat or go have a beer or something after the races. And on Sunday night, I'd just go alone with the race car and uh, the race crew. Leon, I know we just scratched the surface of your racing career. Thank you so much for preserving all the photos and memories, and thank you for all of your incredible stories. It's been a complete blast. Uh, it, it's been a blast for me, Clayne, and I do have to thank Dan and Teresa for bringing this up and presenting this opportunity, and I continue to back them up uh, and cheer them on and hope nothing but the best for them, and thank you very much for your interview. I appreciate that immensely, and good luck to you, too. And we are big fans of them, too, and thank you for being with us here on The Dirt Show. Go to the races, everybody. It's a blast. Aero Race Wheels was established on the conviction that its dedicated staff could provide higher quality wheels designed specifically to endure the tough requirements and conditions of the racing industry. Most importantly, the wheels need to be manufactured and sold, maintaining an affordable price structure. Aero Racing Wheels has become the largest premier steel wheel supplier, and their product line speaks for itself. Upgrade your racing game today at aeroracewheels.com. Why should your business choose Foamcraft Packaging? It's vitally important that you select a partner in the packaging business that has capabilities to satisfy your everyday packaging needs with the versatility to take care of those projects that require specialized treatment. Foamcraft is large enough to tackle all your packaging requirements, yet small enough to provide individualized services to ensure quality products. Office and production positions currently available. See foamcraftpackaging.com or call them at 507-455-2893. Wolf and Sons Yard Service has heavy equipment. This is Scott Wolf. Whether you need a basement dug, a building removed, footings for a remodel, an RV camper or boat pad, rock, sand, or dirt hauled, or even a driveway or parking lot road graded, call 455-3524. You already know, Rhino Ag builds the most robust tractor accessories in the agriculture culture industry. Ever wondered what a rhino would cost? Go to rhinoag.com and click on the build your rhino tab. Select the product and spec it out with any option we offer. As always, contact your local dealer for any finance specials or seasonal offers at rhinoag.com. BP Racing Fuels is proud to be recognized as a world leader in race fuel technology. BP's fuels have a well-deserved reputation for power and consistency, winning championships in every form of motorsports for more than 40 years. Whether sportsman or pro, methanol or gasoline, BP has a fuel to ensure optimum performance for your application. See the full line of BP's high-performance products online at vpracingfuels.com. At VP Racing Fuels, our passion is your performance. 
Have you noticed your car is using more oil than it used to? Do you notice a little extra smoke coming out of the tailpipe? This could be caused by normal daily driving of your car. Justice Brothers Oil Treatment reduces exhaust smoke and oil burning due to excessive engine wear. And it helps your engine run smoother, cooler, and quieter. It also helps to restore lost compression and protect against oil oxidation. Help your car and the environment. Try a can of Justice Brothers Oil Treatment today. Check out JusticeBrothers.com. See our display at Runnings. You've just had an accident. That's where Bob and his staff at Midwest Collision in Fairbowes stand out above the rest. Fast, friendly, and knowledgeable advice from the time you step inside their door. One look at their state-of-the-art facility, paint oven, and computer paint matching capabilities, and you'll know you came to the right place. Next time you need collision repair, think Midwest Collision. Located at Highway 60 east of Fairboat, or call 332-2434. Remember, you bend them, we mend them. Welcome back here on The Dirt Show, and I am joined by Cole Queensland from Deer Creek Speedway. And Cole, you have to be excited. Approaching another season opener at Deer Creek Speedway on Saturday, April 23rd. Tell the fans any changes or things they can expect to see on opening night at Deer Creek Speedway. Yeah, Glenn, we're we're super excited to get this season underway. I'm um, just having a couple of you know, rough patches with COVID and all that behind us now. Looking forward to a full season. We're beyond excited. We've implemented some new things this year at the track, too, and I, I think everybody will be happy to see it. You know, we're going to have POS systems at all of our uh, concessions and all that, so people will be able to use credit cards. we got gift cards. A lot of new things going on there. Schedule's going to be a lot of the same, but yet we revamped it a little bit as well, highlighting the go for 50, moving to a three-day show with a 50000 to win. I think that is one right there. Everybody's going to want to mark on their calendars, and we're super excited for the USMTS hit the track on Saturday, May 28th, over the Memorial Day weekend. And everybody in this area knows our drivers, people are coming to their home track to beat them. Yeah, it's, it's always fun watching the USMTS come in. When we got some drivers, and I hate to even name some, I'll name a few, but because I'm going to miss them because we are stacked with talent in this area. And when the USMTS comes in, it's always fun to watch. Dustin Sorensen, Jake Tim, Lucas Schott, Jacob Bleese, and these guys all battle them. Brandon Davis as well. I mean, it's fun when these guys can win here because it's, you know, like you said, hometown track kind of a feel. The fans are all here. I think it just elevates the USMTS win to them guys that much more that they defend their home turf. And it's also interesting to hear, don't hear a lot of it, but you hear the rumblings in the pits a little bit. I mean, them guys are not necessarily a fan of coming up here. And I, I think... That is the number one reason is the competition level that we have here is second to none in the modified world, and it's it's a battle every time they come up here because they know they're going to have to contend with our regulars. And here's an event that went from an idea to a huge event, Pink Out Night. Yeah, that one's always – I mark that on my calendar every year, the Pink Out Night, because it's fun. It's a different atmosphere at the Speedway. Everybody's excited. Um, it's raising money for a great cause. And like you said, it came from an idea. Just some talking with the folks that joined the journey of, hey, you know, let's partner up and have an event. And I, I think it could be fun. And it started small and it's really growing. The last year we raised $20,000 for their cause. It's really cool because they're local. They're based out of Rochester. They're not tied into the research or anything. They're a support group. You know, so a breast cancer support group, people go into Mayo Clinic. They have this group to fall back onto. They give them packets. They talk with them. They meet you know, on what their journey's going to be, and they talk, and they're there to help them and support them. Saturday night, July 2nd, not only do you get to see 
great racing on the racetrack, but you also get to see a full fireworks show, and that's always great for the fans and especially for the kids that come along. Yes, fireworks night is a fun one. All the kids out there, it's fun to see. We have flags for all the kids that come in. We usually do a little pre-race activity with them, get all the kids out and do the Pledge of Allegiance. They all hold their flags. It's a pretty cool sight to see. Everybody's kind of patriotic that night and that time of year. And then, yeah, after the races, we turn the lights down, play some music, and have a phenomenal fireworks show thanks to the crew uh, flashing thunder out of Mitchell, Iowa. The Gopher 50 has always been one of those races that you hear late model drivers from throughout the country say, I really want that one on my resume. And now it's turned into a three-day show for the first time ever, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, and you've got big things planned every single evening. That's going to be a fun event there, Clay, and that, that all started, you know, we were bummed out to lose the Gopher last year due to weather. And I remember on Tuesday afterwards, I was already on the phone with Rick at Lucas and trying to plan this event. What can we do? Um, we got to get the momentum back, get it back on the map. And it took four months of planning to get this thing laid out to where we were able to announce the three-day 50,000-to-win show. It's a race we've never held. We've you know, had three-day races. We've had big events. We've never hosted a 50,000-to-win event. And there's a lot that entails into that and, and sponsor relations and, and the series relations and all that and get it all put together. It was kind of a task, and, and it's been a fun journey, and we're excited for everything that's going to happen. I think to date, we have 42 late models that are verbally confirmed to coming so far. we got a list of about 30 more that we're in talks with. Hopes is to have, you know, that 40 to 50 late model at least car count. That would be an extremely strong count for a late model race. There's going to be live music Friday night afterwards. We're going to have a DJ Thursday night afterwards, bonfire both nights. And we're also working on some uh, fun things we're hoping to be able to announce pretty soon for that event. But that's one you're going to want to mark on your calendar of July 7th, 8th, and 9th. Tuesday night, August 2nd. Again, last year's show was incredible. The IMCA Harris Clash. And what you hear throughout the pit area is some of these guys, it's their maiden voyage to Deer Creek. They've always wanted to run there, and they've towed from a great distance to come just to see the facility and be able to say, I race there. Yeah, the Harris Clash. I really have to think out as I see it in the stands with everything. This one is in the pit. We see all these new drivers. We we see some once a year, some we've never seen. Like you say, it's their first trip ever. And to hear them talk about it and the, the excitement, it really reminds us why we do this. This is, you know, this is fun. These people want to come here. And it's a destination for them. It's kind of like going to their Daytona 500. That's what makes that night special. Them guys, I tell you what, them IMCA Modifieds and the Sport Mods, if you haven't seen them, they race hard. I mean, they race every lap. They don't give up. It doesn't matter if they're running first or last. That event is unique. They come here once a year, and, and that's the only chance they get to run on the track. So it's very limited time on the track to learn the speedway and everything. So you see these guys scrambling all night, changing stuff, trying to make you know the right adjustments to their cars. And in the end, I think that's what produces such good racing with it, is these guys are constantly working on the cars, too. Saturday night, August 13th, it's Veterans Night at Deer Creek Speedway, and you do an incredible job of honoring these great Americans. There again, another fun event, like you said, honoring the Americans, all the veterans, everybody that served for us, and they definitely deserve it. 
I wish we could do more, but very happy to be able to offer them something through the Speedway. It's a sight to see if you never have. We get all the pit crews and the drivers line the wall and turns one and two holding American flags for the anthem. We do recognize them prior and during intermission. We work with the local disabled American veterans chapter uh, 28 out of Rochester, and it's a fundraiser for them. And there again, it's like pink out. It kind of started as an idea. You know, we ran across somebody that was uh, one of their members, and, you know, and they were having some events and some fundraisers, and we kind of threw out the what if, and it turned into their largest fundraiser. Last year at the Speedway, you know, to our, our uh, fans and our drivers and everybody supporting it in the manner that they did, we were able to raise $40,000 for our local chapter, and all that money stays right here in southeastern Minnesota. So we're very proud to work with the uh, local DAV and being able to do that. The USMTS? Running for a hundred thousand dollar purse to win the national championship this year, and you have the opportunity to host them four times at Deer Creek Speedway, September third over the Labor Day weekend, and you also end the season with the Featherlight Fall Jamboree, September twenty second through the twenty fourth. Yeah, the end of the year for the USMTS. There, they're going to be in crunch time. It's always cool to see them in the pits because you know the guys that are running points and. They're talking all the scenarios, you know, what should I do here? Or the, should I, you know, push the envelope? And do I just run conservative? And, you know, in racing, everybody's always found out you can't run conservative in dirt racing. You got to go for it. I remember a couple of years ago, Brandon Davis on some of our track stuff, and I asked what he's going to do. He says, I'm here to race. And you see that at the end of the year with these USMTS guys. They lay it all out in the line. Like you said, we have them at the end of the year for for majority of their season end points. It doesn't end here, but... Uh, I think they have two races afterwards, but this kind of clinches it and seals the deal for them. And having them back-to-back nights like that uh, lines them up. And if they can run good, they got a really good shot at it. But the Jamboree there, they're going to be running against 60, 70, 80, you know, modifieds, and that's tough competition. And when you're in a points battle, that makes it even tougher. But for the fans, that's what makes it makes it the race it is. When they, these guys got that points battle going on, but yet they're racing against all the stack talent that they have that they're just hoping they can make the show. The other one we don't want to miss is Saturday night, September 17th, the Stock Car Nationals. That event, we had the stock cars two times a year, you know, running with the USMTS, and and we always liked them. They put on great racing, and we had a window of a, a date there that we were looking to fill, and the idea of four years ago popped out for the Stock Car Nationals. And it started out small, and we told everybody that, as this grows, you know, the event will grow as well. And we were happy to announce last year the big 5,000 to win person. We want to see that increase in time. But the event has started it from a 2,000, now is at a 5,000 level. And there again, you kind of get that feel of a lot of them drivers. They set that on their calendar. It's something that they want to come do. They want to see the speedway. They want to race it. And a lot of them travel many, many miles. I think last year we had I think it was six or eight states represented at it. And that's fun to see. You get new people here, new faces here. And then to watch them go for that big paycheck at the end of the day, that race is uh, second to none if you're a stock car fan. Cole, if they'd like to find out more about Deer Creek Speedway and all of the events or purchase tickets right now, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, check us out on our website, deercreekspeedway.com. There's links on there for all of our ticketing. All these special event tickets are available Camping for a couple of events is going to become available here shortly on our website as well. Follow us on Facebook as well. If you're looking race day updates, weather related or anything like that, Facebook is the first thing we update. So follow us on that if you are looking for any current updates. Cole, as always, thank you for being with us here on The Dirt Show. 
You bet. Thank you, Clean, and look forward to seeing you out at the racetrack. The National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum's newest exhibit is going to be our track tribute to Ascot Speedway and will run from May through September this year. Our track tribute to Ascot Speedway will feature eight of the historically significant race cars that raced during Ascot's heydays of dirt track racing on both the big half-mile track and Ascot's quarter-mile track. Also, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum will feature several racing videos and interviews that took place when Ascot was still in existence, with many of our National Sprint Car Hall of Fame inductees from California and the history of their careers shaped at Ascot Speedway. You can expect to see and learn more about these drivers' accomplishments and Hall of Fame careers at the track tribute to Ascot Speedway this May through September at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum. So if you're a West Coast slide them in Sprint Car fan, You won't want to miss our track tribute to Ascot Speedway this May through September at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. Fast Shaft Drive Shafts is the number one carbon fiber, steel, chrome molly, and aluminum drive shaft builder for over 90% of the major modified chassis builders. Now under new ownership, the mission will not change. Providing drive shafts, drive shaft repair, 9-inch Ford center sections, slip yokes, rear end yokes, ring and pinions, bearings, spools, gears, shim kits, and more to racers everywhere. Call Fast Shaft today. Made by racers for racers. 800-622-6617. Medieval Chassis has been the leader in better engineered stock cars and modifieds for almost two decades. They are now going to become the center of all things Modlight in the Midwest. Medieval Chassis will be the go-to shop for all parts in store, online, or by phone for this up-and-coming cost-conscious racing class. Summer 2022, Medieval Chassis will have their Modlight platform in action. Kicking off the new Endeavor Medieval Chassis and Cow's Big Deals will be auctioning off a 2023 Modlight Roller valued at $12,000 in October. Watch Facebook and see MedievalChassis.com for more details. Whether you're running for the checkered flag, blasting down the strip, or cruising in the boulevard, you want crisp flat response and reliable horsepower. Buyer's Engine Service offers a full machine shop that can completely machine or rebuild your tractor, race car, or streetcar engine and put some life under your hood. No gimmicks, just horsepower. See BuyersEngine.com or call 507-282-5586. Shevland Enterprises, your locally owned and operated sanitation and recycling service, offers the highest quality garbage removal and trash pickup services at great rates. Commercial, residential, construction, and industrial trash removal and recycling in Owatonna and the surrounding areas in Dodge and Steel Counties. Shevland Enterprises also specializes in roll-offs and dumpster. Contact Chris and his staff today for small town service at a small town price. 528-9900. That's 528-9900. Zero zero. Why choose powder coating over liquid paint finishes? Maximum durability. Extreme powder coatings offer a scientific process that uses heat to bake the colorful finish deep into your product. Extreme powder coatings can deliver multimedia blasting, impact-resistant epoxy primers, and super durable powder coat applications to meet your needs. Visit extremepowdercoating.net for more information. Extreme. 
Whether you're at the work site or the trailhead, you need an ATV that goes above and beyond the expected. With the power and performance to work harder, technology to make every job easier, and a time-tested promise of quality and dependability. When duty calls, you need the 2022 Honda 4Trax lineup. Available now at Trimble Cycle Center in Austin. Then you'll learn how life is better on a Honda ATV. For riders 16 years and older, Honda recommends that ATV riders take a training course and read the owner's manual thoroughly. Trimble Cycle Center in Austin, USA's second oldest Honda dealer. Welcome back to our special segment here on The Dirt Show. And as always, I'm joined by Speed the Sauce Man from Cookies Barbecue Sauces and Seasonings. And it's Easter weekend. People are having a lot of family over. And maybe they're looking for something a little non-traditional this year. And Speed, you've got a great recipe to feed family and friends, meatloaf. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Clayton, and it's really a good one. It's on page 132 of our cookbook, but it's a barbecued meatloaf. And what you do is you take two pounds of ground beef and one cup of oatmeal, one egg beaten, half a cup of milk, one onion finely chopped, half a cup of Cookie's Original Barbecue Sauce. Now, you can use either original or sweet hickory in this recipe. Either one works good. And then about a half a teaspoon to a teaspoon of Cookie's Flavor Enhancer and all-purpose seasoning. And what you do is you combine all the ingredients in a large bowl and then pass the mixture into a 9 by 5 by 3 inch one of those loaf pans for baking bread and bake it uncovered in a 325-degree oven for about an hour and a half. And then once I'm sure that it's reached internal temp of 165 what i do is pour about a half a cup roughly of barbecue sauce over the top of the meatloaf and back in the oven for 15 20 minutes and then pull it out and let it set about 10 minutes before you start slicing it but i'll tell you that barbecue sauce on that you put on the tail end and kind of just let that caramelize a little bit on top of it i'll tell you what clean that's to die for and the nice thing when you're making that meatloaf If you double the recipe and make two pans, then all of a sudden you've got another big chunk of meatloaf to slice and make some meatloaf sandwiches the next night out to the racetrack or campground. I'll tell you what, you just took it right out of my mouth. I'll tell you what, I love to slice that meatloaf, and I probably sound maybe bad to some people, but I like to just slice it and just eat it cold on a sandwich. Speed, if they want to find out more information on some great tailgating recipes for the racetrack or on any of the Cookies products. Well, I'll tell you what, Clayton, just go to our website, the old com. If they can't find them, all they got to just shoot me an email and let me know what recipe they want, and I'll fire it right back to them. And my email address is speed, S-P-E-E-D, at cookies, C-O-O-K-I-E-S, com. Speed, thanks for being with us. You better have a good one, Clay. See you, buddy. When one of your appliances breaks down, you need help, and you need it fast. Contact Sorensen's Appliance Service. They service the entire Cows listing area. Their employees live in our community and sponsor area racers and softball teams. Sorensen's Appliance Service. People you know that will get your appliances serviced with trained technicians. Contact them today, 256-7766. That's 256 Seventy-seven, sixty-six. 
partnering with hog and cattle producers throughout the United States. Altenburg Construction has almost 30 years of experience in the slat replacement business. Altenburg Construction also uses a custom wash bay to ensure biosecurity to protect your herd. Whether you need an entire site or a single slat, call the professionals at Altenburg Construction at 888-435-2210 or see altenburgconstruction.com. Bulldog Coatings specialize in concrete coatings as well as concrete restoration repair. Hi, I'm Todd with Bulldog Coatings. Our coating systems provide a durable finished floor that is both easy to maintain and adds value to your home. The unique patented Bulldog Coatings are not limited to just garage floors. They can be used for interior flooring as well as pool deck, patio, and sidewalk applications. Our systems can be installed in as little as one day and year-round. We are a locally owned family business ready to serve Southern Minnesota. Visit us on Facebook or call us for a free estimate. 837-9773. Let Bulldog protect your floors. For 50 years, reuse and recycle is not a new concept to us. Miskin Auto Parts has been recycling your old vehicles since the Beatles were still together. Just call us and we'll send one of our friendly drivers right to you and haul away your old retired vehicle. Scrap prices are up, so it's a good time to clean up those unwanted vehicles and get money in your pocket. Give us a call at 507-684-2100 or online at Mizgin.com. Mizgin Auto Parts, in God we trust. Welcome to the Dirt Track segment, brought to you by Cookies, Sauces, and Seasonings. Well, with the persistent crappy weather in our area, if you want to see some live racing, you got to drive a ways. Missouri's Lake of the Ozark Speedway was running last weekend in the 30-lap World of Outlaw Sprint Car feature, Jacob Allen, followed by Spencer Basin and David Gravel. The USAC Nationals return to Houston Speedway July 8th through the 10th. Fans leaving last year's race said best race of the year and one race you can't miss. Don't miss your chance to see the top USAC midget and 410 non-wing sprint car drivers in the country. Tickets, three-day packages, and camping on sale now at usacnationals.com. Follow at USAC Nationals on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates. See you at Brandon, South Dakota, July 8th through the 10th for the 2022 USAC Nationals. At Lampros, our team of brokers and auctioneers specialize in farmland sales, live land auctions, and online land auctions across the Midwest with total sales of 190,000 acres. At Land Pros, you get a team of land professionals going to work for you. We pride ourselves on providing local service and knowledge with national marketing and results. If you're thinking of buying or selling, contact Land Pros agent JJ Wise at 641-420-SELL or go to landpros.com. That's L-A-N-D-P-R-O-Z.com. This is Johnny Gibson, announcer for the World Outlaw Sprint Car Series, and you're listening to The Dirt Show. Staring out upon his sign with sagging numbers and no dollar sign, missing letters, he was short an E, so he made do with a backwards three. The faces were faded, their luster they lacked. They were dingy, dirty, yellowed, and cracked. He stood there and thought with his ladder and letters, this was the day he would choose something better. He'd no longer struggle in the rain, sleet, and snow. He picked up the phone and called up SignPro. The pros down at SignPro heard his dismay and offered a solution, an electronic display 
display. This best of the best, this newest of new, would solve all his problems and be pleasant to view. Vibrant colors and pictures that change all day long would deliver a message that was fun, clear, and strong. No more would he climb up to struggle with change. He could program from office or home or golf range. The choice was so perfect, he found Sign Nirvana with just one quick call to Sign Pro of Owatonna. Call Sign Pro of Owatonna now at 507-444-6261 to schedule an on-site demonstration with one of our professionals. We will answer all your message center questions and show you how to make full use of this powerful marketing tool. Stop struggling with your old display or with no display. Call Sign Pro of Owatonna at 507-444-6261. This is 12-time veteran of the Indianapolis 500, Johnny Parsons Jr., and you are listening to The Dirt Show. Toner's Lake Carding Facility offers dirt oval carding at its finest. Hot laps start at noon on Sundays, followed by great kart racing from rookies to pros. Admission is always free, and pit passes are only 5 bucks. Come out and enjoy some exciting, safe, and fair kart racing at a well-organized facility. Toner's Lake Carding, located northwest of Wasika in a beautiful rural setting next to Toner's Lake. See tonerslakecarding.org for more details. Hi, this is Harvey West, and you've been listening to The Dirt Show. See you at the races.